Welcome to the Cashflow Legends Podcast with your hosts, Nate, Brandon, and Brock. Remember, our insights are not direct financial advice, so consult with your financial team before making any decisions based on the topics discussed in this show. All right, guys, we are back for another episode of Cashflow Legends. I know that uh, Nate woke up stoked about recording today. I think Brock, you and I are similar that uh, this is a day we look forward to. I am stoked in uh, in a very specific way that we have snow on the ground in East Texas. So that is very uncommon in our neck of the woods. And I'm going to tie it into our conversation today. So we're, we're piggybacking off of what we talked about last episode which was overcoming financial fear. And if you really got down to it, fear is everywhere. And it gets a uh, lot of fluid poured on it almost every day in every area that we watch the news or we get our information. Even if you don't watch the news, if you're on social media platforms, it's just perpetuated. And the reality is, is fear can be very, very paralyzing to where we don't take any action. So today we're going to start with recognizing things that trigger fear. Now we're going to relate it to finances, but I think it can be overlaid on anything. No different than me sitting out right here looking at my window. And if I let fear overcome me, I would never leave my driveway again to go outside in the snow because it's something I'm not familiar with. If I needed to drive somewhere or get somewhere, I would have to be sure that I could overcome fear before I got out on that road. Because most people in East Texas do not know how to drive when it snows or when it sleets or when it gets icy. But you're, so, but you're not one of those people. I, I am not because I've been to town and back three different times already. Nice. Uh, you you have to share my fearless moment of driving 140. <laughs> that yes. <trans-am>. Yes. <laughs> that yes. I thought about after I, after I told that story, I was, I better warn my mom. She decides listening because she's never heard that story. Before. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe I shouldn't tell certain things on the internet. <laughs> there is a, there is a lesson in there. I did not drive 140, but it does relate well to us recognizing what things trigger fear and how we are then going to handle it. So just like me driving to town, I had to assess a few things. What's the condition of my vehicle? What's the condition of my tires? Do I have a full tank in case something happened? Do I have my cell phone in case mm-hmm. I do go off the road? Do I have some warm gear in my car in case I'm stuck for a little while, whatever. How are the conditions of the road? How fast do I need to drive? The more of those variables I know, the more likely it is that I make it to where I need to go. But here's the coolest part that I want to swing it around to all of us for. I still control my hands on the steering wheel, my foot on the gas, and if I leave my driveway or not. So in regard to personal triggers related to money creation and wealth and decisions, what are some things that you would say are good uh, practices to overcome those. So this is quite timely, um, not only uh, in my own life, but just in all areas of who I'm talking to. So one of the things that I'm 
uh, learning is this whole aspect of journaling and self-reflection. I've been reading a lot of books. 10x is easier than uh, 2x. Willpower doesn't work. Who not how. Uh, the Inner Matrix. And all of Garrett Gunderson's books. And what you find and what you begin to learn is that the better you understand yourself, the better that you're able to make decisions. Mm. And most people in our world don't take the time to just sit down for a moment and just simply think and have, uh, I think the word is introspection, um, of just looking within and, and realizing the emotions of what's going on, how you feel, where things are coming from. Um, right now, you know, uh, I'm going through an exercise with one of my coaches where we're outlining, you know, like, who, who is it that I work most uh, favorable with? Like, where, where do I have the most effect on people? Um, and on the top level, it was people who are collaborative, who are intentional, and who are big thinkers. That's who I work well the most with. However, on the other side, it's also people who are conservatively aggressive. And so the, most of the time when I work with people, we always, uh, we are, we like to know the downside. We like to know the upside and we like to know our exit strategies. And then when we know those three things, we then take some pretty big uh, swings at things, but we take it swings at things that are able to protect us and against our downside. And so one thing that I hear from a lot of my clients who are business owners is we know our business. We are in control of our business. However, our business can have some pretty big pendulum swings and can be volatile based on the economy that's out there, things that are outside of our control. So when it comes to our own personal life and transferring our corporate wealth to our personal wealth, we want a more stable investment style to where we can make better decisions to help buffer or diversify against those pendulum swings that happen in our business. And so I relate big time with that, but I wouldn't know that unless I spent time thinking about my own triggers where I may be feeling, feeling fearful about how I handle money decisions. So what happens when we allow, when we're unaware, so I looked up introspection to be sure the examination or observation of one's own mental and emotional processes. Man, I'm glad I got that Great right. Great job, Brock. Great I paid job. a lot of money for that <laughs> word. <laughs> oh, so when we when we're aware of this, let's get into some. You got some great examples of practical insight. You know, well, journaling. One thing. Coaching. One thing that what Brock said. This is a timely discussion. It actually came back to this morning. Um, so I was taking my son to basketball practice this morning, and he's got something he's kind of dealing with and struggling with right now in his life. And I was just pouring into him, man. I'm just like, just like all the, all the things that, um, that we talk about and we teach about mindset and reframing your circumstances and your situation and all that stuff. How do you take, how do you take something that puts you in a negative state? and put you in a positive state, like I'm pouring into him and I stopped and I said, it probably feels like I'm preaching to you right now. 
And he's like, yeah. And I said, I'm actually preaching to myself. And you just happen to be here. Like the things that I'm sharing with you are the things that I'm telling myself. And for people who are listening and watching this, the things that we're sharing with you are the things that we're sharing with ourselves. It's the stuff that we're working through personally. And we're just privileged to have this platform that a few people want to listen to us. And we get to share that information with you. So uh, extremely timely discussion because one of my mentors, uh, Garrett, you know, we have worked through triggers, you know, what puts me in that scarcity mindset, so to speak. So we recognize what puts me, what, what that trigger is, what gets me there. And then we've also created a framework about how to get out of it. And there's a couple of things that come to mind. And these are things that we talk about all the time when it comes to money. There's important components to money that we want as much of as we can get. One, um, we as far as economic value, we want certainty and we want control. You know, those are two important things. But from the emotional standpoint, when you start to think about, when you start feeling uncertain about certain things, when you start feeling uncertain about things, when you feel like you have a lack of control, those are triggers so many people, including myself, that start to put us in that scarcity mode, that scarcity mindset. But as Brock said, being aware of what puts you there and also recognizing when you are there what you need to what action to be taken in order to get yourself out of that is going to be extremely important because we are wired in this weird way and i don't know why but i've heard of all people i've heard dave Rand say this sometimes we make a mess like a like a kid uh, sitting in a dirty diaper and we just want to sit in it because it's warm and it's ours. <laughs> that um, is really good and, and, and true. And like sometimes we just like we just get in this situation where we know we're not right, but we stare at the solution with contempt. And I don't know why we do that. I, I believe that you just gave a great example of why we do that. So I'm going to go back to go forward a little bit. What Nate said, I want everybody listening right now to consciously stop and think if your life is going perfectly right now and be real honest with yourself and then go, okay, it's not, there's something I'm frustrated with. There's something I want to grow in. There's something that I want to improve in. So what we just did there practically is recognize that there always is going to be something period. And the reality is, is that we all get into this mindset of wearing that poopy diaper around for longer than we should, even though we know it stinks, it's starting to get uncomfortable. We need to change it. And we might even know what to do to make all those things happen. And like Nate said, we just sit there and go, uh-uh, I'm going to wallow in it some more. 
and Nate has four kids. I have four kids. I've seen a two-year-old walk around in a poopy diaper for hours by choice. Okay. (laughs) But the important thing here that I want everybody to really hear is we don't have anything figured out other than it's always worth trying to figure out and grow. That's it. So there's no, oh, we've got it all figured out. If you ever watch this and you get that feeling, we are not doing a good job of portraying the genuineness of why we are doing this. All we're doing is sharing our failures along the way. And my brother and I realized this early on in our entrepreneurial journey. And I'm glad we're talking about it because it's reminding me of this during some tough times that we're going through right now. Encouragement and finding your people that are going to help you grow. It only really requires you to be one rung up the ladder from them or one step further across, you know, the chasm on a bridge or whatever you want to think about to encourage them. Cause what you're doing is you're looking back and going, I've taken one more step than you. If you trust me that I'm here already, come on. And then we are looking in front of us to these guys that Brock's talking about our mentors and Nate's talking about our mentors and going, you made it further. I trust you because you're there. What steps do I need to take? Those are practical things. And the thing that we all have to realize is if you are on a bridge across a chasm by yourself, you're already increasing your chances of being overcome with fear and increasing your chances of continued failure. And I am talking to myself. I sent Nate a book this morning. Let me just be very transparent on what I'm struggling with that I am so ready to just uppercut, body slam, and choke out. And it's about me. It's my poopy diaper that I created. And here's the thing. I'm staying in it because I know the work it's going to require to get out of it. And it's not going to be easy. But what is that's worth it? I had a very humbling uh, conversation this past week with a guy that I connected with several months ago. Um, And he sent me a message and he said, Hey, uh, you know, if you're, if you're available, I'd love to love to talk. And I'm like, yeah, let's, let's get on a call. And so he just kind of tells me what he's been going through and where he's been struggling. And um, he said, I, I never want to, uh, I never want to get to a place where I'm bothering you. But he said, because of who you are, because of what I know about you, I know that every time we talk, it helps me. Mm-hmm. And I said, you have, you have earned the right to have access to me. Now, I've never had anybody abuse their access to me up until this point. But I said, you were struggling with something and you could have just reached out to me. But you were you were scared to do that. You were afraid that that might violate the relationship or something like that. And so what I told him was, You've got to have, and this goes back to the, to the framework, um, that Garrett gave me, like 
when you find yourself struggling, you've got to have a trusted network of people. It doesn't have to be a large network. You have to have a trusted network that you can let them know, hey, I'm dealing with something. I'm struggling with something. And what Brandon, you just said is that conversation, I was able to have that conversation with him because some of the stuff that he was going through, I've been there before. It's not that I'm better than him. I've just experienced that and I've worked through it. And so now I was able to take that experience of what I worked through and the joy of overcoming it and let him know, dude, there's hope. I've been through it. Like you're going to get through it. But when you have people in your life that change the temperature when you talk to them, like when you, there's certain people, when you talk to them, like the, the temperature in the room just changes a little bit. If you know what I mean? Like they had that kind of effect and you come away from that conversation feeling like, man, okay, I, I got, you know, that was, that was better. Like I'm, I'm better from that for that conversation than not having it at all. When you have people out in your life, you've got to use them. Don't take advantage of them, but use them because God has placed those people in your life for a reason. And we talk about vulnerability all the time. In James, there's a reason why James, uh, I'm trying to remember the exact verse. I mean, I'm trying to remember the reference, but the verse is confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. So when we are dealing with fear, guilt, worry, all those things, and we're not willing to share those things with someone else that we trust, it's going to be really hard for us to overcome that, to be healed from that. It's the whole premise of the light and the dark. You know, we're called to be the light of the earth. If you're walking around with all this darkness in your heart and there's no accountability for it, here we go again. We're back to walling around in that, that dirty diaper because that's really what we're doing. So, Brock, before we started recording, I'm not going to tell the whole circumstance, but we were having technical difficulties. And you said something about recognizing an emotion. Walk through that real quick because it ties into learning from failure, learning your triggers, learning practical things that help you not yeah. stay in the gap would be one way we would frame it. Yeah. So there's, there's the, the gap in the game um, approach where, you know, you're in your life, you're either sitting in the gap or you're sitting in the gain. And the gap is you just always comparing yourself to your ideal self and then always having that gap. Whereas in your, if you're in the game, you're always looking back to say, wow, look how far I've come. Look at what I've done. I'm on a roll. I got this. And so there's a book that I'm, I'm reading by a good friend of mine named Joey Klein. It's called The Inner Matrix. Absolutely love the book. Um, I'm going through it a second time right now. But what he talks about a lot is there's only two main emotions that we can live in, and that's either a love-based or a fear-based. And so what he talks a lot about is the fact that we are not our emotions. And emotions, scientifically, only last for about 90 seconds. And so what we need to be able to do is detach ourselves from those emotions 
recognize them, but don't sulk in them. Because what a lot of people do is, let's say that you start feeling bad about something. Well, then you try to figure out why you feel bad about that. Then you start thinking about that. And then you start thinking about, okay, well, how do I stop thinking about that? But all you're doing is you've got this little ski person in your brain just going down your brain waves and just making that rut deeper and deeper and deeper. And, and faster so, and faster and faster. And faster and faster and faster. And so while you think that you're trying to get out of it, you're actually just perpetuating it. And so it does take practice of uh, simply just sitting with yourself in meditation. And let me put a plug here, you know, as a Christian, as a guy who uh, is a follower of Jesus Christ with everything about me, I thought meditation was like, bro, that's a no-go. That's like, bro, that is so weird. That's so wacko. But then when I actually started reading more about it and understanding what was going on, it's more of a practice on how to control your own thoughts and mind and uh, just process around what you're doing. And so one of the exercises that I do is 15 minutes a day. It's going to sound crazy, but 15 to 20 minutes a day, I will lay with my back flat, my legs propped up on something, and I will breathe in for a four count through my nose. I will hold for four seconds, and then I'll breathe out my nose. Box breathing. Yes. And for that entire four minutes, I have to focus on my breathing. If a thought comes along, I have to acknowledge it and say, okay, thank you. I'm acknowledging that thought and then refocus back onto my breathing. And what you learn is, oh my gosh, within a 15 minute span of time, there is an intense and insane amount of things that come into your mind, but you have to be able to see it, acknowledge it, recognize it, and then go back to your breathing. Here's the cool connection that you're making here, Brock, that I think is important as far as being realistic with ourselves and setting realistic goals, our brain has so many things that come into it every second. And I said something to Nate this morning. I was stoked for him. He kind of told me what he had going for the day. And, you know, our day either happens to us or we happen to it. There are going to be things we can't control along the way, but we still choose that this is happening to me or for me. Now, let me just be very transparent. I, I probably stay in that's happening to me more than the for me more than I would like to admit. But the first thing is you have to admit it and recognize it. Okay. So you have to recognize there's a a real problem. So I'm going to tell a true story of somebody I've known for probably about as long as anyone in regard to what we teach with infinite banking, becoming your own banker, just in general, from the very beginning of our journey, they were one of our first members of ULC. And it's going to point to the importance of journaling. Because you just said one of the reasons we stay in the gap is because we're measuring ourselves against what we perceive as our ideal self, which is really a gap of lack of awareness, lack of self-awareness, because we're not doing things to make us aware. So as I'm visiting with this person yesterday, we're just catching up and we happen to pull up all the things he had documented in his financial life from years ago because he wants to put into action how to get control of a lot of that. And he is, and I'm guilty of this too, throughout the majority of the conversation, he's always talking about comparing himself to his ideal self, as I sit here and think about this. 
And that relates in his mind to two years of failure. Okay. Really is what it relates to. That's how he articulated it. I just haven't, I haven't been successful in two years. So we pull up his old financial model, which has all the things that he's done, which he hasn't looked at in years. I haven't looked at. And we start going through all the wins that he's had over the last two years. We get 10 minutes through it. And he goes, you know, I've done a lot more than I thought I had. And the reason that's so important is because you have to be able to measure against reality, assess it, and then decide how you're going to take the next course. And that's got to happen more often than every two to three years. And so in Brock's point of journaling, and I believe passionately in journaling, Nate and I have talked about it a lot. The only way that we can be genuine with ourselves is to really know where we're trying to get, reflect back, adjust, and go again. If he and or I would have had that conversation or documented that much earlier, I would argue that it would put have him in a better headspace or more in the game that he could have built on. As a friend of ours said recently on our team, she was taught years ago by the most successful person she knows, you got to pay the idiot. Have you ever heard this thought process? It's it's so simple. We we don't realize how simple we can be if we'll motivate that part of us in a good way to encourage it. So the basically is just celebrate small wins to keep the momentum going. But our idiot brain likes to focus on the bad and feed it. And then that little ski man starts going downhill and picks up speed, picks up speed. And at some point he's going so fast, you don't even know how you're going to get him out of the, out of the, off the ski slope, out of the, the skis, you know, it's out of control. Brock, when it comes said, go ahead, Nick. Uh, I'm sorry. Somebody no, said, good. um, a minute ago about emotions only lasts about 90 seconds. Uh, that really hit me. And, and I think this could probably help somebody maybe even set them free, but it's the definition that we attach to the emotion is where we go wrong. So we take that emotion, that emotion doesn't last very long, but then we attach a definition to that emotion. And then we start to follow that. And then that starts to define how we respond to whatever that circumstance may be. But the definitions can change. Like as an example, I've, I've, told my, my kids this before I've told Brandon this before, like I've been called a lot of bad names on Twitter before or X and I could choose to be mad about it or I could choose to laugh about it. And so when somebody calls me a name, I just laugh about it. I think it's funny, but somebody else could be in that exact same situation and see that uh, bad, you know, bad name and be upset about it. So, so we, ch we technically choose our emotions and then those emotions we attach a definition to, and then that starts to build out the narrative of trying to, uh, work through whatever that experience might be. So Socrates said the unexamined life is not worth living. Smart dude. He's got a lot of other smart things. But what I want to talk about is the fact that emotions are from your unconscious mind or emotions from your con unconscious mind drive beliefs in your subconscious mind, 
which create thoughts in your conscious mind. How you feel determines what you think. So we need to understand that shifting our beliefs is far more powerful than trying to shift our thoughts because our beliefs are the supporting structure of our thoughts. So when we're driving down the road on that icy road with some unknowns we can't control, the focus that we give to that present moment is going to create the higher likelihood of successfully driving than focusing on what we can't see that could create fear or doubt or worry or unknown. The practical things that I take away from what you guys have said today that are really good is being aware of how your brain operates, having practical ways to fight back for lack of a better term, if it's something that's negative and then measure progress in a way that really works. And if you can't, if you don't yet have a way to do that, that's a really good place to start slowing down enough to evaluate where is there some time in my schedule? I'm going to use me as a perfect example. I was having this moment of clarity this morning as I was wanting to waller in my poopy diaper for a minute. And um, I, when we started this podcast today, I did not think poopy diaper would come up once, much less <laughs> how many times it has. But thank you, Nate. Just, just being real here. Hey, just thank Dave Ramsey for that one. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and that, as I was as I was thinking through that, it really became clear to me that I'm wasting a lot of time. And I'm wasting a lot of time doing some things that I'm justifying as doing to let myself reset. But those are often putting me back into the gap and these little 90 second emotions that I then begin to feed. Because when I do the other things, that feeds the game and keeps me more present. And I just had this stark realization that what if every time that I wanted to watch a Netflix show, I read my Bible? What if every time I wanted to disengage, I chose engaging with the people that mattered to me the most? Then you're really starting to recognize that, Brock, the way you just alluded to, the subconscious to the conscious and the power of our brain. It's either going to it's either going to control us or we're going to control it to the best of our ability. So in regard to those things, let's tie this thing up in a knot and really put a bow on it. What is the most impactful, practical thing that you could give anybody listening to allow them to overcome their fear, which we know once you start getting a hold on that, then you'll start getting clarity on how to let your finances follow one quick hitter that you would say, if I were to leave you with anything, this is what it would be. I would say find somebody who's at where you want to be. And when you come across a situation where you know that you're in a fear-based state, bring it to them and say, hey, here's what's going on. Here's what I'm thinking. What do I actually do here? Good stuff. Mm -hmm. Nate, what about you? So I'm going to go back to my framework. Um, protecting your mindset. Okay. When you feel like when you recognize that you are not where you need to be in your mind, when you're going through something, first question you need to ask yourself, who do I need to be talking to? <clears throat> Cause I don't want to stay here. 
So we don't want, we don't want to sit in it. Second thing, what activities do I need to be doing? So who do I need to be talking to and what activities do I need to be doing that get me out of that, get me out of that mindset? Um, and I can say from experience, you know, one activity for me is movement, you know, get, you know, get your body moving. Like if you're not, if you're not taking care of yourself, if you're not spending time in the gym and again, I'm telling myself this right now, um, the more consistent I am in the gym, the better I am. Because when your health improves, this is something uh, one of my mentors, Corey, told me, when your health improves, everything else improves. Boom. I'm going to finish it off this way for any of my basketball fans out there. I've attended a lot of junior high basketball games lately. And if there's anything that makes me absolutely want to lose my religion, I'm working on it. Don't judge me is when kids don't box out. So the basketball goal is your goal. <clears throat> you are on offense. You know what you want to accomplish. If you don't, start there. When that shot is shot, everybody's going to crash the boards and try to go get that basketball if it didn't go on the goal. <clears throat> we have to have a technique to where we box out the opponents that are trying to crash the boards on us to overtake our thinking, to affect our strategy. And we've got to do it in such intentionality that there is some friction, which is what boxing out is. You take your rear end and you put it on somebody's kneecap and you push them back so you protect the thing that matters to you the most, the goal. So then you can go get the ball if it doesn't go in the hoop because we're going to swing and miss. We're going to shoot and miss. But we shot. What do we learn from that shot? Get the ball back and do it again. We hope this has been valuable to you. We hope it's been a blessing to encourage you. Remember, you can reach us at cashflowlegends with a Z at gmail.com. We will have a landing page probably within this quarter that will allow you to connect with us even more efficiently than an email, if you prefer that. And we appreciate any reviews, any likes, any subscribes. We crossed 200 subscribers, which is really exciting for us because that means that at least 200 people are interested in listening to us, which is pretty cool. But the reality is, is that we're just sharing our journey and we hope it fills your cup, helps you be encouraged. And we're really excited to continue to do this and thankful that we get to do it with people willing to listen. We hope you all have a great day.